Get your best singlet ready because we're talking about Vin Diesel this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Comic book action in Bloodshot. You are the future of warfare. With the technology in your veins, you have an army inside you that will not only make you stronger, that will heal you instantly. English comedy in Military Wives. Great music, it doesn't happen when things are perfect. It happens when you care. This choir isn't about singing for ourselves. It's about them being heard. Heartfelt drama in Queen and Slim. I support what y'all doing. It was self-defense. Get on the ground! Why is he under arrest? Thank you for this journey. No matter how it ends. And New Zealand action in the legend of Baron Toa. Well, Dad had his back in the days ways, but this isn't back in the days. That's not the nephew I tell you about. He's been in Australia too long. That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hey. And Dan Miranda. Hello. Now, your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. You turned me into a weapon. And now it's pointing at you. After the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe bringing in billions of dollars at the box office and DC starting to find their feet too, it seems like every comic book publisher is chomping at the bit to create their own shared universe. Well, enter the fringe, grungy 90s comic book publisher Valiant Comics, who are taking the plunge with their first big screen superhero, Bloodshot. Is this their Iron Man? Yeah, I think Sony is hoping for an X-Men-like universe with these super-powered humans. So Bloodshot follows the story of Marine Ray Garrison, played by Vin Diesel, and he's resurrected by a secret team of scientists after he and his wife are murdered. He's enhanced with nanotechnology and becomes a superhuman biotech killing machine who's implanted with a fake memory of who killed his wife. So he'll go and kill them. But this goes on and on with different memories and different men. That is until his real memory comes back and he breaks out of the facility hell-bent on revenge. I think, okay, let's uh, let's address the elephant in the room. Mm. You either like a Vin Diesel movie or you don't yeah. like a Vin Diesel yeah. movie. And I don't think he makes many movies outside of those parameters. Yeah, You've got the odd like Saving Private Ryan, which is a real outlier, but this is a Vin Diesel movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I was watching the the trailer for this. I was like, I don't see him going in the direction of, say, I don't know, Tom Hanks doing yeah. biopics of <laughs> prophilic people no. in some yeah, respects. Yeah, he's typecast himself. Mm. Well, and there's a certain amount of things you get. Like he's al- he's always the best. Vin Diesel was always the best. There's always a very black and white villain that has a very villainous goal no matter what. There's no like gray area there. It's all of like action one-liners and he, he mumbles his way through half the script. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, poor Guy Pierce being typecast as well. He's in this as the tech company um, CEO. <laughs> I've seen him in this role before, have I yeah, not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is based on the comic book Bloodshot, yes. which is just a quick history lesson, I guess, in comic books. During the 90s, comic books all got super extreme and edgy. 
It was like a phase that all comic books went through. Who wasn't in the 90s? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Valiant Comics were all about this kind of thing. It's like, this ain't your pa- this ain't Superman. He's he's cool. He's a mercenary. And like uh, Deadpool was from the 90s and Venom is from the 90s. And, and yep. they're all those kind of alternative it's characters. It's the anti-hero character. Yeah. Um, I heard it was a group of ex-Marvel comic yep. employees who went over to Valiant and yep. they saw this niche in the market that could be filled in a different way that like how X-Men was becoming popular because they are the heroes, mm. they went with the anti-hero characters. Also, more importantly, if you ever created a character for Marvel or DC, you didn't own the character and you made yeah. no money. Right. So the guys that created Superman died poor, whereas valiantly you keep your money. So yeah. like, a lot of people went there and they created sure. these like far out characters. And Bloodshot seems to me a character that Vin Diesel would think unironically is so cool. (laughs) So, I mean, this hasn't screened for critics and who knows what that means exactly, but what are you hoping to get from a movie like this? Well, I think based off the director, who is Dave Wilson, he, he, I think, what I'm expecting is a lot of visual stimulus or stimuli. What, what else has he done? So he, yeah. this is actually his second di- directorial, I guess, feature. No, he's done a television series on Netflix called Love, Death and Robots. He oh, did right. one yeah, episode okay. He did one that. episode, yeah. Mm. And then before that he's done a lot of, yeah, visual effects work, most notably on Age of Ultron, The Avengers. But this is his first feature film. So I think mm. he will be looking at this or making this film from a very visual perspective yeah definitely he's worked on halo 2 mass effect 2 and bioshock infinite okay so, so he, for fans of video games yeah. you'll know what you're getting yeah okay so and like uh love death and robots for instance was created by tim miller who directed deadpool yep. he's worked on the avengers so he's he's been in this world for a while so it seems like yep. it's in safe hands do you think and to me and i don't know whether this comparison is necessarily fair but last year maybe even the year before we talked about upgrade which yes. has a similar kind of mm. a you know, someone kind of half robot nanotech making him like the ultimate warrior. Mm. Whereas Upgrade, I thought, was really inventive with its action sequence. Do you think that this might match that? Do you think it's going to have Ooh. some interesting action or do you think it's going to err on the side of generic? Well, I generic. think they're going to have more of a budget than Upgrade did. And as we've said with the types of films that like Blumhouse does where you have less of a budget, you have to be more creative. But Sony and getting Vin Diesel on board obviously looks like they have a lot of money to sink into this. And even from the trailers we can see that there is like fights falling from skyscrapers and the very classic sort of Fast and the Furious over the top fight choreography. So I think they're going to go all out. So you're going to have to suspend your disbelief for this one. I don't think fans of Vin Diesel are going to mind that. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you think should see Bloodshot? Fan of Vin Diesel, this is quintessential Vin Diesel. So if you've come in expecting a Vin Diesel film, you're going to get it. Uh, (laughs) Clearly it's action packed. There's a high tech company with an agenda and some great visual effects. So I think along with all those things, you you sort of, you go in with an expectation and I think it's going to be met. It also stars Isa Gonzalez and Outlander star Sam Hewen. It's that classic anti-heroes superhero franchise like Upgrade, Venom, Wolverine, all these cool effects and and things that the human body can do and like, yeah, a revenge story, which is great. Dad, are you off to the war tomorrow? I am. Look after Mummy. She gets upset. Give her a hug. I'm Kate Barkley, Colonel Barkley's wife. We need to come up with some exciting activities while our service people are away. What about singing? 
singing. Let's just get the strippers in. Oh, yes. <laughs> there is an entire sub-genre of British films that I like to call upbeat British underdog films set in a small town and based on a true story. You know the ones from the Full Monty, Brassed Off, Pride, or even the recent Fisherman's Friends. Well, will the latest in the genre, Military Wives, make people's hearts sing too? I think it will make them sing. Um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Fisherman's Friend. I, I got echoes of, of that film in this. Also, uh, it's in the vein of, say, Lady, Lady in the Van. It surprisingly packs a, an even larger emotional punch than both of those films. So in this, it's a, it's a feel-good feel dramatic comedy that is, of course, based off of a true story once again. And it focuses on Kate, who, along with Lisa, start a choir on a military base whilst their partners are serving in Afghanistan. And I guess through music and laughter, they form friendships and each of the wives lean on one another for support to overcome fears for their loved ones whilst they're in combat. Yeah, this turned out to be a global sensation. And this women's choir then started trends all over the world. Other military wives started their own choir clubs. And you see that at the end. They showed little clips of they're all singing the yes. same song and they show them up on the screen of like all the, the different chapters around the world, which is pretty cute. Yeah. I always find it funny in these kinds of films like The Full Monty or Fisherman's Friends or this one where they're like, oh, and then it caused this worldwide sensation. But I've never heard of any of them <laughs> no, that's, before the films come out. That's why it's fabulous. Yeah. Well, we're in the wrong circles maybe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> maybe my, my ear is into the ground for like uh, the wide yeah. military soldiers performing uh, different songs. So I think these British films have this certain charm to them. Mm. And generally I guess the cliche is that they skew a little older. Uh, audience-wise. Is that true of this film or do you think there's enough in it for even younger audiences as well? I'd say so overall. I think it, there's a general feel of it skewing to an older audience, but there's also a couple of younger characters yeah. in there and obviously with uh, people who go to war, they're going to be younger usually. So anyone who's in that situation themselves or knows someone in that situation would probably feel a connection to this film as well. People who aren't in that situation will still appreciate that. There's a lot of different people of all ages and different walks of life that go through this. And I think also on that, the the whole premise of the film of everyone joining to become a choir, it's funny how like so many different walks of life uh, come to music at a di from a different perspective, whether it's a way of ability or a genre, but you've got all these different people and characters in this film, but they all come together with music. And I think that's the probably the best thing. Yeah, like I went into this film thinking I wouldn't enjoy it. It wasn't going to be my cup of tea. Mm. But everybody in that cinema, we were crying oh. <laughs> at the end. Literally. And that's exactly what that British Charming movie gets. It pulls at your heartstrings. There's funny moments. There's teary moments. You really connect with the characters on a deep, emotional level. And this is a film about music, so the important question, how is the music? Well, I mean, most of the songs they sing are covers of already known songs, but there is one they actually write for uh, an event at the end of the film. Yes, that's the more emotional and that's one. And <laughs> that's the one where you'll cry, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so who do you think should see Military Wives? Or, or Military Wives. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... This film looks at how we deal with and how we manage grief and challenges our opinions of war in general, I found. It's definitely a tearjerker, but it's a really surprising ensemble piece that also has a lot of heart. So if that sounds like the film that you want to see, this is at the top of the list. 
This one's actually a cute little hidden gem. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I really did. I laughed and I cried. And it reminded me a bit of that movie with Diane Keaton, Poms, that we reviewed last year. So if you're in for that feel good, just something you don't really have to think about, but you get invested in for a little bit and then appreciate your own maybe easier life. Also in cinemas, The Way Back. Ben Affleck deals with demons whilst coaching a basketball team. Downhill. Will Ferrell abandons his family, but it was for help, not for his own safety. And Dark Waters. Mark Ruffalo uncovers the biggest conspiracy. Yes, you can hear about all of those movies and everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you want. It was self-defense. Power to the people. Thank you for this journey. No matter how it ends. Queen and Slim. The crime romance genre is one almost as old as cinema itself. Two lovers on the run, the excitement and passion of it all. Well, Queen and Slim takes that trope and gives it a modern lens to view it through. Will this movie be enough to breathe fresh air into an old story? Oh, yes. I haven't cried in a movie this much (laughs) since Hotel Mumbai. Yeah. This was very emotional. So the story is about Queen and Slim and they've just been on a first date. Slim is driving Queen home and they're pulled over by a cop. The situation quickly escalates and Slim manages to grab the officer's gun and shoots him in self-defense. Then Queen convinces Slim to go on the run. When a video of the incident goes viral, the two become a symbol of resistance for the black community and everyone is following their story as they try to make it to Cuba. This is a super emotional movie that's probably the best way i can explain yeah it. it's very serious it, it, it is very serious but it's fantastic yeah this movie is really really great uh <laughs> things that are serious can be great yeah. <laughs> uh and it's uh it's a, it's a subject matter that's a little bit tricky to talk about and in fact we've we've talked about movies like the hate you give and things like that that have kind of touched on the idea of police brutality and minorities and things like that and it can sometimes be a bit heavy-handed yeah and i think this movie handles it Absolutely yeah. wonderfully. Yeah. It's, it's it's fantastic. I really like this movie. I think the way it handles that situation is that there's kind of two sides to this story, you know, as there always is, but the two characters of Queen and Slim, all they're trying to do is get to safety and they know how much trouble they're in. They're not following media. They they throw away their phones. So they don't, they don't see any newspapers or TV reports of themselves. So they don't really know what's going on around them they're just like trying to get away and the other side of the story is what we see as the audience in other scenes of characters and situations like what their family is going through and the police trying to get after them and I guess it's this juxtaposition of Queen and Slim's journey is very unbiased they're not trying to be a hero they're they're not trying to make a statement or anything, but just from their situation, the public has made it viral and and, and bigger than than they even wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because it, yeah, it is almost two movies and the mm. Queen and Slim story is a romance and you watch mm. them kind of slowly fall in love while mm-hmm. they're on the run. But the other half of it is about like intentions other people put into things because they meet people along the way. They're like, oh, you're legends. Yeah. You're these figureheads of these movements. And yeah. that's they, they never tried to do any of that. There's, and, it, yeah, you're right. It is really interesting that you have those two kind of mm. running parallel to each other. 
Yeah, yeah, they didn't want to be famous. They didn't want to be in this situation and all these other people are telling them, oh, did you do it because of this? I think they did it because of, yeah. of this reason and, and they totally didn't. So it doesn't put this onus on them to be heroes and so that's how the movie still feels genuine. Lena Waithe also said that she didn't want this movie to be as relevant as it actually is but the scary thing is the movie becomes more and more re- relevant with each passing day. There are a lot of moments where, you know, story is being told, but there's some really good juxtaposition moments like an, a scene where the two characters are somewhere and then something really traumatic is something happening somewhere else mm-hmm. and it's really mm. like poetic in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's the chemistry between the two actors that really stands out because most of the movie is about them. There's side characters that come in and out but they are in every scene. Mm -hmm. And that's Daniel Kaluuya, who you might know from Get Out, and relative newcomer Jodie Turner-Smith. And they are beautiful together. You know I'm really picky with my accents. Yes. Daniel Kaluuya's American accent, amazing. It's perfect. You didn't like? Both of them are English. Yeah. Which is are funny. they really? Well, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. Was the other one yeah, good? Yeah, normally I kind of like I'm pretty picky with people doing other accents, but they're both mm. fantastic. Also in the supporting cast, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. is in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just an odd thing. So who do you think should see Queen and Slim? I've heard this one getting compared to Bonnie and Clyde, but I feel like it's more Thelma and Louise in its themes and character arcs. Yeah, it's it's definitely a worthy choice with a unique perspective that is as fascinating as it is devastating. And one beautiful sentiment that um, is peppered throughout the film is that pictures aren't just vanity, they're proof of existence, which I really loved. Your father was a pioneer for the Polynesian people. My dad died. This place went to crap. <laughs> fight for the title. Well, Dad had his back in the days ways, but this isn't back in the days. That's not the nephew I tell you about. He's been in Australia too long. Hey! The last few years have seen a real boom in the New Zealand film industry. With the likes of Taika Waititi and last year's comedy The Breaker Upperers making the trip overseas to international audiences. While the latest New Zealand expat is the legend of Baron Toa, will it find similar success? Ooh, similar success. But I think it could be one of those niche films. I'm getting vibes of like even Hunt for the Wilder People mixed with Rocky. Yeah, yeah. That's a a weirdly accurate description. (laughs) So basically um, in The Legend of Baron Toa, it tells the story of Tongan entrepreneur Fritz who returns to his old neighbourhood and inadvertently causes the theft of his late father's valued pro wrestling title belt by a bunch of gangsters led by Tahu. And so he attempts to reason with the gang leader but fails and is forced to step into the ring in order to embrace his father's legacy and reclaim the title by way of wrestling. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of Creed. I mean, Rocky Creed, they're much of a muchness. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So this one is yet to screen, but what I find a little confusing about the movie is the tone. Because in some ways it seems kind of a little dramatic, uh, like a, like a lot of sporting movies, especially about kind of reclaiming a title of your father, which a lot of these tend to be about. <laughs> yes. That That is there. But also, and I don't know whether this is just because it's New Zealand and they've always got kind of a wacky sense of humour about them, has some like comedic beats to it. But I, I have a hard time grasping what the tone of this movie is. I think it's supposed to be a comedy. It's, right. yeah. And I think Australian audiences have a similar humour to New Zealand. Yeah. So I think we'll get that. 
I feel like it's a bit maybe Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, right. Again, with wrestling. But the sort of, it's a dramatic story, but inherently funny. Yeah, peppered with comedy. Dramedy. Mm. I mean, Dramedy. Yes. it sounds like I know a made up genre, but it is like even on IMDb, officially yeah. like a, 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 a cross between the two genres. So you think it's leaning into more of that? Yeah. So, I mean, for many, many years, New Zealand was just seen as Middle Earth. Mm, <laughs> that, yeah. That's all it was really seen as. But now it, there's more kind of diverse stories and with a more New Zealand flavour peppered throughout. They've got rid of the Tolkien and, and they've embraced the New Zealandness in their films. Do you think that that is going to be something that in maybe 10 years' time is now the staple of New Zealand that the world at large sees? I think it will live side by side with all those like Weta Workshop style films because they do such a great job. I went there a year or two ago. And it's so fascinating to see all these like big Hollywood blockbuster films being made there to a degree, but then also have their unique New Zealand side to it as well. Yeah, the only other New Zealand famous films would be Once Were Warriors or Whale Rider, uh, something of that ilk. And they were they're few and far between. We haven't had anything again like this. So it's good to see another native New Zealand film come about. And I think... Just with having having had Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, these actors in New Zealand got like good credits because everybody was needed <laughs> on these films. So pretty much everyone in these films has been in Lord of the Rings at some yep. point. And fun fact, uh, the filming of The Hobbit almost destroyed the New Zealand film industry. So it's actually really nice to see that it's back up and running again because all the studios essentially milked yeah. the New Zealand film industry for all of their worth and then threw them aside. So I actually really like Ooh. this independent New Zealand film. I think they're kind of bringing the, the New Zealand film industry back from the brink of death of The Hobbit. Who do you think should see The Legend of Barantoa? So this is an adventure film. As we said before, it's set in the urban streets of New Zealand and it's packed with humour and starring a Pacific Island and Maori cast, including the well-known Jay Lagaya. And I think you should see... This, if you enjoy those underdog sports film with very tongue-in-cheek, overarching sense of comedy. Seems like a good light-hearted action comedy film, which to me feels like a cross between fighting with my family and Creed with the New Zealand Aussie type of humour. Now, for your chance to win a gold-class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question... What is your favourite Vin Diesel film? Ooh, I want to see some of the maybe underrated ones like The Iron Giant maybe. Simply leave your comment with the hashtag of the cinema crew for your chance to win. The Lion King is the first movie I remember ever seeing at the cinemas and it started my love for movies. Is there a way that I could maybe recapture that magic? Oh yeah, the original animated classic Lion King is going to be showing for the Disney BFF Film Festival. So grab all your friends and Hakuna Matata. Yes, simply head to villagecinemas.com.au for more information. Next week, Tense Horror in A Quiet Place Part 2. Family Fun in Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. And Edison vs. Tesla in The Current Wars. But until next time, thank you, Byron. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.